This is Circulating Ideas. I'm Steve Thomas. My guest today is Maurice Coleman. He's technical trainer at the Harford County Public Library in Maryland and longtime host of the T is for Training podcast, which is celebrating its 10th anniversary. Circulating Ideas is brought to you with support from Mometrics and from listeners like you. With library budgets constantly shrinking, it's getting harder and harder to provide the resources your library patrons want and need. That's why our friends at Mometrics Test Preparation created the Mometrics eLibrary. Through their eLibrary portal, Mometrics offers study guides and practice questions for over 1,800 different exams covering college entrance, graduate school, nursing, medical, teacher certification, civil service, and many other careers and fields of study all fully customizable and at a fraction of the cost of the printed books. It's like having an entire library of test prep materials all at your fingertips. So save space, save paper, and save money with Mometrics eLibrary. To learn more, visit goelibrary.com. That's goelibrary.com. Maurice, welcome back to Circulating Ideas. Thank you, Steve. It's been, what, PLA 2012. Well, so... that is correct. <laughs> Six years. You've been doing this for a while. I have been. I started in 2011, but you you started even earlier because you are coming up on your podcast's 10th anniversary. Can you tell my listeners what your podcast is? My podcast is called T is for Training. It is a biweekly-ish. Usually we talk every Friday at 2 o'clock Eastern via phone call and a platform called TalkShoe. So it's a a conference call that folks call in. We started talking about library training, but that leads to library management, leads to education, instructional design, administration. Because training – because the library is really a continuing education place, training, teaching, and learning, to borrow my friend Paul's phrasing – is germane to everything that happens in libraries from the little the story times for two-year-olds to what services you give to seniors to everyone else who walks in your library it's all about the transferring of knowledge and information and as learning professionals we in libraries usually are the only ones who do this in our system so that's what the podcast is for. It's really a chance just to get together with really great people, really smart people, and to talk about really great topics that some people seem to like because this is our 10th anniversary. It was the beginning of September of 20, 2008 that the podcast started. So, Well, you know, and I felt like I was getting in a little early on podcasting, but you got mm-hmm. like – what three years on me? So what? What? What at the time made you want to make a podcast to make those connections with your with your with your colleagues? I w- going to various conferences, including Computers and Libraries and Amer- the American Library Association conference. Again, if you're the only person who's doing what you do in your system, sometimes if you have a question and you need to bounce ideas off of someone, it's helpful to have someone who has a body of knowledge similar to yours 
in training, teaching, learning, development, instructional design, public speaking, etc., to balance ideas, questions, comments, to make a better universe, etc. There was a time at the Computers and Libraries Conference, there were a bunch of folks sitting around on the floor. We essentially called it Carpet Con and Lobby Con, where you it's where the real stuff happens at conferences. So tip right. number one is if you attend a conference, the sessions are great. It's what pays the bills because you can say, hey, I'm going to these sessions about these things. But the spirit, the reason to extra of the conference are those personal connections you make, having lunch, having uh, adult and non-adult beverages, sitting in a lobby and talking to really smart people that you might not get to talk to otherwise, talking to those presenters, networking, networking, networking. Did I mention networking <laughs> for a conference? That's where the real meat and where you really learn a lot of stuff. And the idea of the show sucked on from a show called Uncontrolled Vocabulary that was a just a generic library podcast about libraries in general, management, etc. A very broad focused podcast. I said, well, I would like something for trainers. So I started it. I still have a very, I started a very simple WordPress website at tsfortraining.wordpress.com. I used the social media at the time, Twitter. I had some Twitter friends. I said, hey, let's try doing this. Here's this platform. You can call and it's a phone call. No one's going to really, everyone does conference calls. Hey, maybe you'll do this. And I did a test show with some people I knew. And two weeks later, or three weeks later, started at, on a Friday at two o'clock and the snowball has been rolling for 10 years. And I was going to say at the, at the beginning of the show, we talked about, you know, we, we, you were on the show, whatever, seven years ago, however long ago that was, mm -hmm. but we've seen each other in the meantime, almost at every conference we've gone to. So, we, so we've had conversations and I've been on your show, especially your, mm -hmm. um, your conference shows that you do. So yep. we, we've, we've gotten to have, be part of that conversation. And we've also, mm -hmm. you were a part of an article that I wrote about podcasting yep. and we were on a panel just this past year. Way. That was great. Oh yeah. No, I, I, I think my, my listenership went up after that. So I think it was a good thing. <laughs> I, I hope I boosted everybody else's listenership as well. Hey, nothing, the idea of doing this, this podcasting, especially in libraries or in general, I mean, we're never going to be, what pot across America with 18 bajillion people. And, you know, we're, I'm not monetizing TS for training. I do it as part of my job, which I'm really knock on wood. I'm very happy I'm able to do. It's an hour of continued education for me. And my library system benefits from it. I hope folks who listen to it, they benefit from it. And it's the, the, the panel was great because there were different types of podcasts and different ways people got to it. The idea is to, if you're listening out there, what I can tell you is to just start. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but start it anyway because you truly never know. It may be 10 years later and you're looking up and, wow, I'm still doing this 10 years later. I still have people who call. I still have people who download the show. Uh, Steve, I am always shocked when people show up. It truly, because it's one of those, I'm here, period. Come join me, period. If you choose not to join me, if it's a really nice day across the country, I've had shows where uh, no one showed up. I said, thanks. I said, thank you. Here's how to contact us. Here are my sponsors who don't give me any money. I just like them. And see you next time. And end the show.
and I'm always shocked every single time. And I'm up to episode 230 something, 30, I think 33, 34, 35. And there are, again, shows that, again, I've had a few where no one showed up. And you know what? I'm okay with that. But I'm always shocked and I'm always pleased that someone people, some people still get something out of the show after all this time. And you have a kind of a usual group of people. I mean, you get, get people here and there, but can you talk about the people who are kind of your standards? Um, sure. Uh, they're, they're, I call them the usual suspects. Your mainstays. The mainstays. And, and those have changed, obviously, in 10 years. Those have changed. I have had people who used to be on the show all the time in the first few years. Jobs change. Situations change. They're not able to do it. Their administrations change. I have several people who are who are the key to the show. Who I tell them every time that I love them madly and I couldn't do the show without them. So I've given them titles after all this time. After nine years, people have you know, quote-unquote titles. So Jill Hurstwall, who is the associate professor of practice at the Syracuse University High School, it took me uh, two or three years to get that title right. <laughs> and she is the blog editor. And she became the blog editor because she said, no, why don't you do more posts? You know, why, why does it take you so long to do posts? I said, well, would you like to be the blog editor? She said, sure. Little did she know six years later <laughs> that she, she does all the posts of the show. So that's that's one of them. And then Paul Signorelli, who I call the coordinating producer, Paul's usually the person. Paul is an independent consultant. He start, He's based in San Francisco. And Paul is the the ideas person for the show. He has such a wide range of training, teaching, learning, knowledge, both from libraries and outside of libraries. He brings a lot of different people to the mix. He's involved in the Amer uh, Association for Talent Development. He's associated with the New Media Horizon Report or whatever it's called these days. He, he's involved in a lot of different different educational training things that aren't library centric. So he brings that extra flavor to the show. There's our friend Kate Kostorsky, who is the ostensible sort of guest host when I can't do the show. I'm not, I haven't been on every show. Mm -hmm. So, you know, life intervenes, work intervenes. I kind of have this job. I like, I like, I like getting paid. So I <laughs> job. So Kate will come in and host a show. And she works for JSTOR. She's, I think, in your area of neck of the woods. She's now the Southern District Manager. She just got another promotion, and good for her. She's great people. There's Andrea Snyder, who used to work with me here in Maryland, and she was she's been on the show probably the longest. Uh, all of uh, Jill, Paul, and Andrea have been on the show probably the longest. Uh, Andrea used to work here. She's now with Owl, which is in Central New York. And she's a, a learning coordinator up there. Uh, there's Henry Mensch, who works for uh, a very large library-based company. <laughs> I won't mention their name, <laughs> but he does. He comes on the show. Uh, Stephanie Zimmerman used to be, who was our former guest. She's our guest host emeritus. Mm -hmm. And she works for the library system of Lancaster, library systems of Lancaster County. She's now HR and training. 
Uh, let's see, we have our friend Diane Huckabee from Western Washington. So we have people from all across the country somehow that have made their way onto the show. And then, you know, Jay Turner, who comes on occasionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people who drop in. It, again, it's it's I think of it as a dinner party. Here are your normal guests, and then the door is always open. Who is ever dropping in drops in. So I don't think I messed up and forgot anyone. If I did, I completely apologize. I did that from memory. I didn't look at the blog. I did that from memory. Yeah, and Jay, Jay used to be a colleague of mine. Uh, he used to work oh, at, um, at the library with me. Um, right, now he's at American Red Cross or something and doing, you know, he's Jay Turner. He is. Yes, he is awesome. <laughs> so and you, you mentioned this past summer that you had an issue with TalkShoe where they kind of lost all your archive. So, um, yeah, let's, let's talk about the great <laughs> server failure of TalkShoe. Uh, so kids, if you have a podcast, if you're starting a podcast, please make sure you have independent tapes of all your podcasts or recordings. If you listen to the show and you also listen to Teaser Training and you are one of those completists, oh, I download everything. Great. You can hit me at, on Twitter at BaldGeekMD. I have lost the first – everything up through January 2015. Uh. I think it's 2015. So seven years of archives mm. are gone. That the server uh, had a major, major. Did I mention major, major, <laughs> major failure? And we lost years of archives. The listing of the show names are there on TalkShoe, but you can't download and can't do anything with them. They're just there. So there's the show, old show names, etc. So that stuff is lost in the ether. Unless someone out there has copies of it, I will gladly buy you the adult beverages of your choice <laughs> if you have them so I can put them up somewhere like Internet Archive or some such later. Have, have, does that make you want to switch up the way you're doing it? I mean, not necessarily not using TalkShoe, but I mean, are, are you actively making your own archive now? No, I've been a lazy. I've been lazy. <laughs> it, 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 the show is sort of ephemeral for me. I, I'm there. I remember what's happened, and I can look at the show notes and see the general discussion. The talk is great, but I don't necessarily need it for myself. That's me. That's just me because I was, I'm usually there. If I'm not there, I listen to the show. Right. And I enjoyed it as – it's like listening to your podcast I, or listening to the library pros who had me on a little while ago. The – it's it's nice to hear someone else doing something similar to what I do and what we do, and they do it in a totally different way. The library pros, if you haven't had them on, they're a riot. They're from Long Island, mm-hmm. and they are super-duper produced. I mean, we're talking outro, music. I mean, this is, this is uh, two steps above homegrown cable TV. <laughs> I mean, they're really good. And I am I can be those things, but I choose not to be any of those things. <laughs> I, you know what? TalkShoe does its own intro music. I can edit it if I do a live show, which I used to do. I don't need to do that. I figure the information is there, and Jill does incredible, and I mean incredible notes. Even if she's not there, these are articles of true fonts of information. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in the middle where I, I do I do editing and put some music and stuff in, but I, I, I don't, I do not, nobody was going to mistake me for an NPR kind of show. So. I'm not, I'm not produced out the wazoo, but like, yeah, have, but I have listened to library pros and they do sound very good. Well, we don't have NPR cash. either one of us. So. Right. I mean, it's so if you're listening and I, I like to tell people who are, well, how did you do it? You know, I, you know what? I have a computer. Most people have a computer. 
Uh, I do it with TalkShoe, which is obviously the platform that, you know, borked some of my stuff, but it's still a conference call that records automatically and distributes. That's the biggest thing is how to get the stuff out there. Right. It does it for me in the background. If I do a live thing, I use a microphone and a computer and Audacity, which is free. Mm-hmm. The microphone's less than 100 bucks. I can give you two names of their great microphones from the company Blue, the Snowball and the Yeti. And you could just record a bunch of people sitting around a table having a conversation. It's like the Algonquin Roundtable. Yep, I'm on, I'm on a Yeti right now. So. There you go. And I'm, I'm on a straight-up just regular headset in the computer. So it doesn't take a lot of equipment. It just takes some time and some want to. And the willingness to make a fool of yourself a lot of the time <laughs> and be okay with it. It, it. A lot of it is you're putting yourself out there for people to not like your work but if you're a public speaker, if you're doing, if you're a trainer, in my case, a public speaker or a trainer, you're used to doing that. You're used to being up there and getting both immediate feedback, whether or not you have to ditch anyone's fruit from lunch they're throwing at you, or in evaluations or in long-term work. So I'm okay with it. No, I'm I have thick enough skin most of the time to be able to not worry about that stuff, and that's all it takes is a little bit of time, effort, and willingness to make a fool of yourself. And a lot of people are willing to do that. Yeah, so and I everyone th- should have a podcast. Yeah, and I think you have to have a, the passion for it to keep it going over mm-hmm. time. Because if you if you don't, you're just going to get bored with it. You know, you get you. I mean, like you said, you've been talking about this for ten years, but it's because it's what you love doing and it's what you right. love talking about. And- Steve, it's it's change. Training. We looked back on uh, two or three shows ago of looking ahead. We looked ahead ten years from now, and then we looked back on the things we were talking about ten years ago, and some of them are still there. But things change, evolve. The way the world we live in has changed. the The way people interact with technology has changed. Ten years ago. The smartphone wasn't ubiquitous. The smartphone is pretty ubiquitous now. You know, mm-hmm. Most people have not not most. There are those who don't. We um, let's not even talk about the digital divide, etc. But many folks have this intimate relationship with technology that's moved more into the background, as opposed to oh wow, you have a smartphone, as opposed to oh there's your phone. You don't have to identify as a smartphone, and that the outlier is the the um, the keyboard phone that has a slide up or the flip phone. You know the old older school cellular devices. Right. Those are the outliers now, and the intimacy with technology and online learning has not just exploded but gone completely viral. YouTube completely viral. You know YouTube when we started in two thousand eight was wow i think it was maybe a couple years old if that i was gonna say i wonder if google even owned them at that point (laughs) right i don't don't even know if google owned them at that point so you know the world has changed but the basic tenets of public speaking the ability to get good information out accurately quickly in a way that people can absorb with a little bit of humor. We do laugh a lot on the show. Hasn't changed that the, the methodologies you use to do that have grown and morphed, but the underlying thing, the underlying thing of libraries, which is why I hope everyone who works in libraries understands is 
it's our job, no matter what our position is, to help everyone who walks through our virtual or physical door to improve themselves, whether it's laughing at a DVD or getting a job application or reading a book to their kid or a puppet or getting internet access where they're able to. It's our job as public servants to help the public make their lives better. That's a really cool gig. Absolutely. Um, so you talked about uncontrolled vocabulary when you first started, but are there other podcasts either back when you first started or over the years that you kind of get inspiration from or even um, oh, in, 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 interviewers that help you inspire of the way you want to talk to people? Uh, okay, so we've talked about this. That's a good setup question. I like that. So, folks, kids, if you're listening, Podcasting 101, learn how to throw softballs to your peop- your friends uh, James Lipton, who I don't know if he still does a show. I'm not sure. Uh, Inside actually. the Actors Studio. Yeah, that was a big inspiration. Uh, you know, who, another one who, while the content isn't exactly PG at all, Howard Stern. If you ever listen to him interview someone, interview a famous person, he pulls stuff that they're always shocked a that he knows, and b that he's willing to really be sincere and to talk about. So he gets people really comfortable talking about stuff. Also, I, I will say my wife, who's a hairstylist, I watch her get someone who's a total stranger in her chair. And two hours later, they are best friends. <laughs> and it's a ease of comfort of being able just to talk to people. Uh, what else? Hey, Greg, Greg Schwartz is uncontrolled vocabulary. That went away. Lib, Lib Punk was a good one several years ago uh, adventures in library instruction some good friends uh, jason puckett who works down there at yes. gsu you know jason i'm sure you've yeah, run into I, each other in georgia yeah, yeah i actually worked with him at emory many 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 oh, years there, ago there, there you go uh, he did the, he had this great podcast with a couple of his compatriots called uh, adventures in library instruction that was really good what else i uh, i'll be honest i don't listen to a lot of podcasts <laughs> Sorry, I, 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 I don't. That's not my bailiwick. But that's one thing, too. I mean, like, like you're talking about him. You're talking about James Lipton and things like that, too. So you can, you can learn techniques and things from people oh, who are not within the actual. And I've actually got – I have a podcast re- recommendation for you. Um, there's a one called The Turnaround, which is actually from uh, Jesse Thorne, who's from Maximum Fun Network, which is a big podcasting network. Mm-hmm. It's all about – he's interviewing interviewers. So okay. the whole thing, I, I I don't remember if he had Stern, but he had like Dick Cavett. He had, um, you know, that's, you know I, I don't remember who well, else, but the, the, just a big, huge, Terry Gross, all kinds of great interviewers. You know who else? Trevor Noah is really good. The Daily Show. Yeah. His five, they're longer interviews, but all those shows, yeah, they have producers who prep for them, et cetera, but it's up to that person to really make an instant connection with the guest to elicit information and to make sure that information is relatively understandable by anyone who shows up. So if you see anyone do that, uh, Gwen Eiffel, who was on uh, mm-hmm. before she passed on yes. a PBS NewsHour, you know, that some of those people she had to interview were, you know, real jackasses, pardon my French, but she really held her own and really 
tried to put herself in in the place of the viewer who's at home or listener at home to be able to say, okay, what would this person really want to ask them? The confrontational, I don't do the confrontational 60 minute style of interview. Right. You know, that's a whole, there, look up, there are all sorts of articles on the ambush question or the, so, did you know that person was a sexual predator? Have you, no, have, I didn't. Have, have you finished, be, have you stopped beating your wife? Right. Have you stopped beating your wife? <laughs> yes. So when was the last time you beat your wife up? That, that's my next question for you, by the way. I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> know if you knew that I have an ambush show now. But <laughs> uh, you see, it's not an ambush if you know it's coming. That's true. And I know and I know your your wife just made you a beautiful dinner right before here. So yes, I'm... she did. Oh, that was great. So, yeah, that's – yeah, those, those style of interviews I don't like. You know, you can right. also look at – if you ever watch a train wreck of an interview – it's a lot like watching a really bad presentation. My big passion is really helping people create great everything, great training to be able to do customer service. Uh, I love helping people make better presentations, etc. Watching someone train wreck can be very educational. Yeah. Learn from the failures. Learn from the failures. You know, that's a very important thing because not all talks of yours will be incredibly successful. Learn from your failures. And I've been training. Okay, so I've been doing training for, I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. Clinton was president during his first term when I started training. So I'll let you Google who Bill Clinton <laughs> was for you youngins out there. But it's been a while. And... The tools have changed, but the spirit of getting the information across hasn't. I've been doing this for a while, and even times I need to refresh my batteries. And watching other people talk or the sh- doing TS or training or listening to circulating ideas, you do such a wide range of library and library-adjacent folk that it's always – if it's not directly germane to me, at least it's interesting. Yeah. You know, that, that's that, really important. Be inter- be interesting. Exactly, yes. Self. <laughs> that, that way, maybe someone else will find it interesting. Yeah, well, and that's how I justify sometimes bringing on people who aren't librarians or whatever, because it's like, what they're saying is interesting, and they're library adjacent, at least. I mean, there's something I can ask them about libraries, and it interests me, and it's my show, so. <laughs> right. and, and I'm sure you've had people who, well, no, I, I don't know why you'd have me on a library podcast, and then... They get on there and they can't stop talking about their bloody library. It's like, well, that's why. Exactly. So I, I, I'm curious of how you got into librarianship in the first place and how you got into training specifically. Uh, well, let's see. We'll start with libraries first. I moved to Maryland right after 9-11. I was living in New York and I – met my wife on the computer in the computer and we got together and I moved down here right after 9-11. I still did consulting work in New York. You can do that. If you have a place to crash with friends, you can still do consulting work, but I needed a job. My benefits were running out from New York, my unemployment benefits. And I walked, I was an avid user of the library and they were hiring. That's truly how I found myself at my present position at Hartford County public library. The library was hiring. 
So I started out in access and I have to remember that there are people who are academic librarians and public librarians and special librarians. So I started out in access and circulation that pretty much handles, you know, the, I, I help people get books. Mm-hmm. I wasn't in reference. I did that. And then I moved back into training in the library a number of years ago. I'm not going to mention how long. Uh, in terms of training itself, like most trainers, you fall into it. You're doing something. I was the administrative assistant at a nonprofit in New York City called the Citizens Committee for New York City. Mm-hmm. And that nonprofit, when I started there as a grants intern, it, the nonprofit gave away, still does, gives away money to block. I can still do the rap. We give money to block tenant and neighborhood associations in order for them to improve their communities, either through neighborhood beautification, organizing our anti-crime activities. So we would give the money away. I started out as a person who helped people give the money away, fill out the applications, write the checks, etc. We, at the time, said there are a lot of people we're giving money to, but they're also asking us for specific types of help. How do we organize in general? So we, as a department, came up with, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five, four or five different courses. We created a training institute for neighborhood leaders because we had thousands, I mean, truly thousands of block tenant neighbor associations, and we decided to leverage that list. I went along as a person who hauled stuff and wrote on the board. Then I started to teach some of the stuff. Okay, there, I, I was just here. Well, why don't you lead this? You know, I'm, you do this part. You know it already. You've been through three or four. I'm great. I led this part, help people get answers. Then there was this really funky thing. I'm a, I, am a, I am a nerd or a geek, whichever you want. <laughs> and I love government. I love how government works, etc. New York City is rather convoluted. So we came up with a course on how to work it with New York City Government 101, a four-hour course in New York City Government. That was the first thing I created. And the second course I created was an internet course for community activists in 1994. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a little different then. That's back, that, and, that, that's back to your <clears throat> Clinton presidency. Yeah, pretty much. So those are the first two things I did. I was good at it. So we kept doing it, expanding it. Then I went to another nonprofit and did their technology training, et cetera, moved to Maryland, and I've been doing the library's technology and other soft skills training for the last uh, many years. And you do training for staff and your community? or I do. I do training primarily for the staff. My primary function is for the staff, but because of that, because of the knowledge I have in specific things, I also do public programs. So I do public programs in virtual reality, 3D printing. I've done staff training. I've done training for seniors in the county. I've done um, some. We have great folks who work at at our library, Hartford County Public Library in Northeastern Maryland. We have great volunteers. We have great staff who can do some light training, but I do lots of long stuff. I'll do the stuff that shows two or three hours as opposed to one hour with someone. I'll do a whole day if I have to with someone. So that's what I do. Amongst other things, I do project. I lead projects. It's one of those. So there's a thing in a lot of 
industries called other duties as assigned. Yep. <laughs> I, I get a lot of ODAAs. <laughs> Here, we're starting this thing. Get it up and running. Okay. <laughs> and I'm happy to do it because I'm good at it. I, I can pro- project management stuff. I can, I can, you know, do the big picture or a big event. I love doing that stuff, but it's not officially part of my title. My title is in technical trainer and events manager. Yeah, so this is not really a new argument necessarily, but can you make the argument to those people who are still book-focused in libraries? Um, why should libraries have makerspaces? Why should libraries get VR helmets? Those are expensive. Why should we do that? Why should we be interested in AR? That's all stuff that's not library-related. How do you refute those people? Libraries are the places of democratization of technology. We provide access. Books are a form of technology. They don't have power buttons, but they are technology. They're a technology of getting information from point A to point B pretty much the same way at point B that it was at point A. It's technology. You don't think of it as such because it doesn't plug in, but it is technology. Books are technology. So we are technology purveyors. Every single sheaf of paper that you have in your library is a form of getting information from point A to point B. What type of information is should be essentially neutral, but it never is. But makerspaces, virtual reality, all of these things, coding, all of these somewhat esoteric, you would think, for library things are going to be the norm soon. You have, you have a responsibility as a library in as much of a way as you can to help introduce your customers to these things, period. Are they expensive? They can be, but so is a computer. You have computers in your library, don't you? You have talking books. Look, the Clinton, the Bill, the was I think it was the Bill Clinton talking book. I think that price was two hundred and fifty bucks. Yep. You can get a you can get a half pretty decent three D printer from Mono Price. They're not a sponsor, but you can find a three D printer for three hundred bucks. That you have this thing that I can create this thing. Libraries are also makerspaces. You know what? You've heard of libraries have knitting circles. 3D printing is just, you know, program knitting. That's all it is. Yeah, I heard a librarian, um, Julie Jurgens, a few years ago say that um, story times are basically makerspaces because they're doing the craft programs afterwards. They are! Absolutely. Absolutely. Just because it doesn't plug in doesn't mean it's not a makerspace. I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate. When people assume that if it's a makerspace, it has to have stuff that plugs in. Um, I am a huge fan of stuff that plugs in. I'm a technology trader after all, duh. But I also understand the value of the things that don't plug in. A screwdriver, a circuit board, weld, a glue gun. A glue gun is a wonderful thing in a makerspace. Knitting needles. Cake pans. These are the tools for creativity and information. That's the library's function is to help people become the best they are and to eliminate barriers to that. So if it's a cake pan that helps people become creative that your library can provide, do that. If it's art that makes someone feel good, 
do that. Whatever works within your budget and within your community, do it. Well, you know, we were talking about um, interviewers tossing out softball questions. That was a good mm-hmm. example, folks. So. <laughs> I knew you would hit that one out of the park. So. <laughs> it's all called show prep, my friend. No, it's, <laughs> it's if you're passionate about something. Yes. Odds are someone else will be passionate about it too. It's what I used to tell people about blogs. You know what? If you're passionate about something, you have some expertise to contribute to the general universe, do it. No one's stopping you. You know what? WordPress is free. WordPress literally is free. You walk in there, you uh, you can put up a blog, and here's my first post. Hello, world. And then you promote the hell out of it and see what happens. Well, I mean, you've got you've got geek in your um, username everywhere, and so this is the kind of stuff I you geek out about. So I mean, this yep. is what's great. Well, I, that was kind. That was kind. You know, I, I have no hair. I'm from Maryland, and I'm a geek. I figured it was a decent way of introducing myself in social media. Come up with a social, a working social media presence. And plus, you know, it, you, you would know my name, but I don't necessarily need you to know my name. Because if you ever Google yourself, this is what I tell I have a class called Managing Your Online Presence. One of the activities I have folks in the class do, you're in front of a computer, Google yourself. What? Google yourself. You will see how, and I don't have, I don't have that common, I didn't think a name. Maurice Coleman, how common is that? Well, (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you off the top of my head. I am, when I last looked, I was the vice president at Bank of America for corporate responsibility. (laughs) I was a shooting guard in California. I think I'm in college now. College, of, I don't even remember. College of Kansas or something. He's a shooting guard. A war hero. A bridge player. A felon in a couple of different states. <laughs> I'm also, if if for those of you who are baseball nerds, if you remember number 29 for the St. Louis Cardinals, Vince Coleman, his name was Maurice. Maurice Vincent Coleman. So I'm also a a Hall of Very Good baseball player. And that's just within the first – and also I'm myself, obviously. Yes. That's just within the first couple of pages. So I I created that identity of Bald Deacon Maryland because I needed something that was a Twitter handle, and it just stuck. It's like whatever. It, It makes sense. It's not offensive. My grandmother could hear it if she had to. You know, it's not uh, another one from managing online presence. These, these, I'm just throwing these tips out there for you kids that it's hard for younger people to understand that your name is your face in virtual and your name is your face. So you should not have a name like hot kitten 68 <laughs> as your screen name. Yeah. That is not appropriate for professional things. Bald Deacon Maryland, while it's a little funny, it's still professional. Yeah, and the more common your name, believe me, <laughs> as a Steve Thomas, Steve um, the Thomas. harder it is. And you, you can never get your name as nope. the username. <laughs> Anything. I, even if you try, you find the thing that there's three other people, one of them is going to be named Steve Thomas. So you always have a one. Did you ever do AOL where they you, you throw in your name? Yeah. And yeah, so I'll just put in my name. It's like, yeah, Maurice Coleman, 67446786. Oh, right. Exactly. Yeah. Four. It's like, how the hell am I supposed to remember that? 
All right. Well, Maurice, thank you so much for being back on the show. And hopefully we will not wait another um, seven years to have you back on again. Dude, dude. Oh, God, it is seven. No, no, no. Six. No, it's, six. It's six. I'm sorry. Six. 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 And just to let you know, I will do a commercial myself. I am available for public speaking engagements and training engagements as necessary. Kindly contact me, baldgeeknmd at gmail.com if you'd like to hire me. Since I'm not doing this on official work time, I can say that. And yeah, I can do consulting, et cetera. I do write. I do all sorts of fun things. Part of it is because of the show, because of the, the knowledge I have sucked up from the show. I mean, a couple hundred episodes, I know stuff that I'm able to regurgitate to people at least semi-eloquently. And you're and you're around at all the ALA conferences and various conferences. So yes. feel free to walk up to him and yep. say hi. So. Yes, I, I am a person of color, so at ALA, <laughs> you stand out a little bit. <laughs> I a whole lot of uh, of persons of color, and I usually wear something festooned with pins. If you're an ALA person, for those of you who are not ALA people, uh, so the people walk around with occasional the occasional badge ribbon. I usually have three or four on, and I usually have pins around my neck. I'm a large person, so people can recognize me easily. And I have a very big mouth, so people hear me also. So just come up and say hi. I tend to run into you. you you're usually in, around the unco- the networking uncommons area. You're yeah, yeah. There, you seem to be around there a lot. So. You know, that's one of those networking a networking place because it's a place where people just drop by, and you will run into most people there or at the ALA desk. I hang out there too. Anyway, uh, reach me on the interwebs. I'll plug my show, tsatraining.wordpress.com, every other uh, Friday at 2 p.m. Our next show, we're taping this on the 5th, is coming up on the 14th of September. And then we may have a weird schedule. Again, life interferes so and work interferes. So we may be on a month afterwards or two weeks afterwards. Depends on if I can find a co-host. You can also, again, find the show at teasertrain.wordpress.com. The great notes by Jill Hurst Wall are all there. They'll give you detailed information about the things we talked about, the jumping off points. Oh, so many oogobs of references. Find the show on Twitter, T is a training, at T is F-O-R training. On the Twitter engine, I'm at MD. Steve, thank you very much for letting me ramble for, I don't know, 35 40 minutes i mean you know dude we can do this for hours yes i'm, I'm but, happy to have you on and um yes well, we, uh, we can absolutely do it again soon because as like you said we i've got tons of things on my list of questions i was going to ask you that we didn't get to so <laughs> we can we can go on be, some more so. it'll be part one part two part three part <laughs> jesus christmas Steve, why is he on again that's what people start saying like why 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 yeah but but, but, but yeah, but I, I do encourage people to um, not only subscribe to your show on their podcast app of choice, but also to um, actually join you and on the show if they have something they want to talk about, training related or just general or not. related. No, no, it doesn't have to be training related. Library related, library adjacent, learning. Everyone who works in libraries does something with helping people learn stuff. You got dumb questions. We don't mind dumb questions. We're tra- <laughs> All of us are trainers. There's no such thing as a stupid question in training. There's just lots of lots of stupid questions coming from me on this show. So. <laughs> no, stop it. Stop. Look, folks, he, Steve, I love Steve's podcast. It is definitely a different thing. It's nice to have the individual interview and individual time to be able to devote to people. And if this is your first time listening to it, because we'll you know cross-pollinate, I suggest you subscribe to Circling Ideas because Steve does a heck of a job.
And this is episode 140, so you got a lot of back catalog to go through. Oh, wow. Good for you, dude. I'm going to go weekly so I can pass you up but on numbers. But <laughs> <laughs> Feel free, man. Feel free. All right. Thanks, thanks a lot, Maurice. Thanks, Steve. All right. Bye. Circulating Ideas is produced by Steve Thomas in the suburbs of Atlanta. Views expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of my place of work or the place of work of guests. For past interviews, visit circulatingideas.com and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Overcast, or your podcast app of choice, and help others find the show by leaving a rating or review. You can follow the show on Twitter, at CircIdeas, or like the show's Facebook page. Music is by Pamela Klicka. Thank you for listening, and keep circulating your ideas. Yeah, finally, after years, they finally were like, let's look at this and make it Microsoft-y. <laughs> Which means it'll mess up. <laughs> let's bring Clippy into it. So. Oh! <laughs> oh, a blast from the past. It looks like you're trying to make a call. <laughs> oh, you're trying to connect with someone. Oh, well, you will have 10% chance of failure with that. <laughs> Can I help you with that 10% chance of failure? <laughs> Oh, you're trying to make a call? Why don't I dial it for you? No! <laughs> don't do anything! Just shut up! <laughs> Go away. Save space, save paper, and save money with Mometrics eLibrary. To learn more, visit goelibrary.com. That's goelibrary.com.